First Samuel, if you'll turn to the passage we read earlier. I don't know about you, but I love superheroes, especially the Marvel movies. If you've been to the Endgame movie, it has, believe it or not, I must not be the only one who liked these movies because it has already grossed in less than a month $2.2 billion worldwide. And has all of them in it, Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man, the Hulk, Black Panther, Aquaman, all of those Marvel men in there. No, Aquaman's not in it? Well, I haven't gotten to the rest of the illustration yet. And recently there have been movies about Marvel women that have become equally as popular, Right? And not as powerful, but the Wasp was one of them, I think, was one of them. But more Wonder Woman has the, I don't know if they call it the belt of truth, you know, it kind of like makes you tell the truth, and she has the bracelet thing that she, you know, I think my wife has that set. <laughs> um, she's very well accessorized. And then fighting abilities that she has, and then Captain Marvel, she can fly. I'm not sure what the glowing eye thing does, but she does, I think she does things with that. And uh, she can do just about anything, actually. And uh, so a lot of things have changed since I've grown up. We didn't have all quite as many of them. We had, and I'll guess, let you guess this one, ready, by the introduction. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound is, yes, Superman. And we had just a couple back in the day, but I'm sure they were there. I just didn't see them all or hear about them all. But I thought, wouldn't it be good on Mother's Day if we came up with a female equivalent of Superman? So I have a new superhero, and I'm dubbing Super Mom. Super Mom. And here's a description. Faster than a speeding minivan. More powerful than a Hoover vacuum. And able to heal all boo-boos with a single kiss. Moms. Super Mom. I think sometimes... Ladies, you feel like you have to be a Marvel mom, don't you? Um, the super mom would have these abilities. Supersonic hearing. You can have, hear everything your kid is saying no matter where he or she is in the house. Eyes in the back of her head. Never get sick or tired. And what sets off the superhero mom from all those superhero men is that she can multitask. <laughs> she can make dinner. Hold a baby, talk on the phone, all at the same time. <clears throat> but if I asked every mom here today, are you really a Marvel mom? You might say, well, probably not exactly. But what if I told you that after I came up with Super Mom, I went to the Bible, and I found out, what if I told you that the issue with God is not about moms primarily being so super what if I told you that mo the most famous moms in the Bible are not the most powerful, but rather the most powerless? What if the Bible describes these moms not by what they could do, but what they could not do? Because many of the super moms in the Bible, they could not even become moms on their own. The Bible says of Sarah in Genesis 16.1, now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had no children. Rachel, sorry, Rebecca in Genesis 25 says, Now Isaac pleaded to the Lord for his wife because she was barren 
and had no children. Rachel, Genesis 30 and verse 1, Rachel saw she bore Jacob no children and said to him, give me children or I die. Manoah's wife, Samson's mom, in Judges 13 it says, and there was a man whose name was Manoah and his wife and she was barren and had no children. Elizabeth, the mom of John the baptizer, it said in Luke 1, 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Now that doesn't sound too much like a Marvel mom, does it? I mean, a Marvel mom has power and can do anything. But the moms in the Bible that God uses, the moms that are the super moms the scriptures talks about, they are people who don't have powers. And so I decided I was wrong and super mom isn't the new superhero. I came up with a different one. And I call her weak woman. Now that's not going to be happy, make everyone happy, nor is that going to sell at the box office. Because that's not what it's about in our culture today. Our culture is about power. And you can do anything and overcome anything. But not so in the scriptures. 1 Samuel 1-2 says, Elkanah had two wives. And I call the first one powerful Panina. You know why? Because she could have children. The Bible says that she had at least sons and daughters, which means she had two sons, two daughters, maybe more. So she's powerful. She can do what every woman should be doing. She was the Marvel mom in the Old Testament. But Hannah, whose name is Favored One, she had no children. She could have none. The Bible puts her name first, meaning probably that Elkanah married her first, and then after years of being married to her, and although he loved her, she could have no children. So you know what he decided? I'll marry someone else. And I have two wives, the one who can have none and the one that can. So we have powerful Panina and helpless Hannah. One could have children and the other could not. Now let me tell you before you wash over too quickly. Having no children in the Bible was about the most serious thing that could happen to a woman. Probably the least desired thing of all. The Bible says that having children was a blessing from God. In fact, it was a commandment of God. Be fruitful and multiply. The Bible says in two places that when Israel came into the promised land, that part of God's blessing was that he would make every woman be able to have children. In Exodus 23, 26, here's what God says. No one will suffer miscarriages or be barren in your land. No one, he says. Deuteronomy 7, 14 says... You shall be blessed among all peoples, and there shall not be a male or a female barren among you, even your livestock. So even the animals could have children. And if you couldn't have a child, especially a boy child, it was considered a curse. It was something that God was punishing you about. Psalm 127, 3, Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. And they thought this, if you are living right before God, he's going to reward you. And you know the main way, the number one way is you're going to have a child. You're going to have a boy. The only people in the Bible who were barren and couldn't have children were people who were God's enemies. Abimelech, who took Abraham's wife Sarah as his own, it says when he took her that none of his wives and no one in his harem could have any children. They were, God closed their womb. 
Michael, who married David, who was the daughter of Saul, God cursed their line and said there will be no more children. And Michael was barren, it says, until the day of her death. See, only people in the, people in the Bible who can't have children, they were cursed. They were being punished by God. So you look at the family and you say, powerful Panina, she must be right with God. Hannah, she's not. And the Bible says that every single year they would make the long trek up to Jerusalem, all the way there, all the way back. Panina made it very obvious to Hannah what the situation was all about. I don't know if she said, Hannah, you're worthless. I'm the only good wife he has. You can't have children. You need to come to sacrifice more often because you must have sin. You're a disgrace. I don't know all that she said. But words like grievously irritated her, the Bible says. She was deeply distressed over it. At times she would cry and the Bible says she couldn't even eat or would not even eat. But here's a lesson that Hannah learned. A lesson that all of our moms should learn. All of us need to learn today. God is not looking for super moms who have all the power they need on their own. What he's looking for is weak women who have a super God that will give them all the power that they need. See, the best moms in Scripture are not self-sufficient. They are God-sufficient. They are moms who fully understand that they are so powerless on their own apart from God that they can't even become moms without his help. Hannah, she must have thought numerous times, crying by herself, not able to eat. She must have thought, wow, Hannah, favored one. That's a joke. Hardly. How can I be favored when God is against me? How can I be favored Year after year, prolonged grievously, irritate her, wouldn't eat, heart grieved. How can God be with me? And I think perhaps as I read this passage this week that the very hardest thing for Hannah to grasp and the fact that everyone else grasped it too was that twice, once in verse 5 and verse 6, here's what it says, and the Lord had closed her womb. She knew it wasn't an accident She knew that it wasn't a matter of exercise. It wasn't something that she could change. She knew why she couldn't have children. Because God had said no. See, Hannah had to come to grips that a sovereign God had designed her weakness. That's a hard one, isn't it? You might be here this morning as a mom Why would God do that to Hannah? But you might be saying more than that. Why would God do that to me? No one, you wouldn't say it out loud, but you might say, hey, I don't don't like weakness. I don't like this physical problem that God has designed for me. I don't like the emotional stress and the anxiety and the depression and the, I don't like all of those things. I don't like the relational difficulty that it causes between me and my husband or me and my children. I don't like the social ramifications. People looking at me, wondering what's wrong. I don't like what this does to me and how hard it is to be spiritual and godly as a wife and a mother. I don't like the weakness. And if this is what it means, God, to be your favored one, then please favor someone else. 
Why would God do that? See, I read the text, and here's what I thought. First Samuel is a book, follow me. First Samuel is a book about one of the greatest prophets who ever lived, Samuel. Followed by the greatest king who ever lived in Israel, David. Now, you're writing a book about the greatest prophet, perhaps, and certainly the greatest king ever. Why in the world would God choose to start this book this way? Why would he close in on a little backwater house in a place called Ramah, a little family that nobody knows, and get real close and feature a woman who can't have children? Why did God start this way? You know why? Because Hannah is a pattern of how God works in this world. How God works in Israel. Read the rest of the book and you'll find this. When you're Saul and you're bigger than everybody else, head and shoulders above everybody else, and you have the spear and you have the armor, it doesn't mean anything. Because for 40 days, he wouldn't fight Goliath. But see, you know how God wins battles? Not with super moms who are all sufficient and can do it all themselves. You know how he wins? He wins battles over giants by taking little shepherd boys who can't fit in the armor, who can't throw the spear, and all they have is a sling and a few small stones. And God brings the giants down. You know why? Because that's how God works. That's how God works in our world. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things that are mighty. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, for my strength, God says, is made perfect, as was sung in weakness. For when I am weak, Paul says, then I am strong. Hebrews eleven thirty four, God says, out of weakness, they were made strong. That's God's story. God is not taking people who are powerful and super powerful on their own that don't need him. He is taking weak people who can't do even the smallest things on their own and making his power displayed in their weakness. That's how God works and still works in this world. That's how moms God has designed for Hannah, listen, and for you to win your battles. And maybe you're not fighting the battle of barrenness, but every single battle you face, moms, and all of us face as Christians, are designed by God for it to make you more, not less, more dependent on him. The phrase, the Lord of hosts, which means the Lord of the armies, it's a military term. It means God is head of all the angelic hosts and the armies is used four times in the book of 1 Samuel. Three of them, as we would expect, talk about and are used in military battles. Chapter 4 and verse 4 against the Philistines. Chapter 15 against the Amalekites. Chapter 17, when David faced Goliath, he comes, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And that's how we'd expect the word to be used. Physical fighting battles, superhero type stuff. But there is one other time it's used. In chapter 1 and verse 11, when a mom or would-be mom is praying and she cries out in verse 11, there it is at the beginning, see it? Oh, Lord of hosts. See, here's Hannah. 
I don't fight on the battlefield. I'm not facing the Philistines, the Amalekites. I'm not facing Goliath down. But my battles are just as real. And moms, it doesn't matter what your battle is. Whether it's inside your home or outside your home. Whether it's emotional, relational, spiritual. Here's what God says. Every battle we face, every battle we face, we need him. We need him. Bible or biblical Marvel moms fight their battles on their knees. And when you get on your knees to pray, mom, you don't have to wear a cape. You don't have to have an S on the front of your shirt. You don't have to be able to fly or have supernatural bracelets. None of those things matter because the only superpower you need is prayer. It frames Hannah's life. Watch. Before Samuel and after Samuel. What do we find Hannah doing in this text? See for yourself. Chapter 1 and verse 10, she prayed to the Lord. Chapter 1 and verse 12, as she continued praying. Chapter 1 and verse 26, she tells Eli, I was the woman who stood next to you praying to the Lord. Chapter 1 and verse 27, for this child Samuel, I prayed. Chapter 2 and verse 1, and Hannah prayed. Do you get the idea? She had no superpowers. She couldn't even have a child on her own. Oh, but she had a power. The power of prayer. Moms, if you don't get anything else, they get this. Hannah may have been powerless, but she was never prayerless. She may have been powerless, but she was never prayerless. And by that I mean this. Let me tell you, you may be powerless to change your marriage, moms. But may it never be said of you that you are prayerless about your marriage. See, moms, you may be here and you're not sure. You're throwing up your hands. I don't know what to do with this child. I don't know how to turn them around. See, you may be powerless to change your child's life, but may you never be prayerless about your child's life. You may be powerless to change your health, to change your job, to change your future, to reach your relatives or friends with the gospel, but may it never be that you are prayerless about any of those things. And when you have that, that superpower, can I say, of prayer to a super God, God will use that to change things. He did that with her life. Out of her weakness, he made her strong, and he answered her prayer. Chapter 1 and verse 20 says, And in due time, Hannah conceived and bare a son, something that she could never do on her own, something she was powerless and had no control over. The Bible says she had a son, and she called him Samuel. You knew why? Samuel was a continual, his whole life long, a monument to the only superpower you really need, moms, prayer, because his name means asked of the Lord. And one of the greatest men to ever influence Bible times in the Old Testament was the very son born of a mother's prayers. God has the ability to reverse anything and everything in your life. Can I show you as we close in prayer? Throughout chapter 2, this is after God gives her Samuel, she rejoices and God says, let me show you what prayer does. So all the moms in history 
from Hannah forward can know that you don't have to be a super mom like the Marvel moms are, so to speak. But you can be a super mom in God's eyes this way on your knees. And so here's the reversals. Ready? Chapter one, 2 and verse 1. My heart exalts in the Lord. Listen, encircle it. My horn is exalted in the Lord. Draw a circle around horn and draw a line all the way to the end of the prayer. And it ends the same way it begins. Verse 10. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king. Look, and exalt, same phrase, the horn of his anointed. See, here's what she's saying. The word horn always pictures strength. She said, I had no strength. Is that you, mom? I had no power. And God, through prayer, showed his power in my weakness and lifted me up and gave me strength to do what I couldn't do on my own. Now, Now listen, and that's not only what he'll do for me, But someday he's going to do that for his anointed one, his king. God's going to raise up a king, i.e., namely David. And he's going to take this little weak shepherd boy who is nothing on his own and make him the most powerful king. See, he's going to do that. See, you know why? Because Hannah's a pattern. What God can do for Hannah and did for Hannah, listen, he can do for you. I don't know if he will, but I know that he can. Chapter 2 and verse 4. The bows of mighty men are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. See what he says? She says in battles, listen, God can take down people when you're outnumbered and they have more weapons than you. It does the mighty bowmen, he can take them down. But the feeble, the people who can't even get up and hardly walk, he can give them such strength that they can win the battle when they should never be able to win the battle. Chapter 2 and verse 5. Those who have full hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hungry. Listen to this. The barren has borne seven. See, God can take me. I couldn't have one child. And now he can give me many child children. That's what God can do. He can take a nothing situation and turn it into a suffering a a something situation. Moms, if you're here this morning and you're discouraged and you're despaired and you begin to think, why has God designed this marriage and these children and these circumstances for me? Why does God put me in this? And why doesn't he come in my life and change it? Why doesn't he make it better? You know why? He's designed it so in your weakness he would show his strength. Chapter 2 and verse 9. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. Listen, don't miss it because she wants to say it one more time. For not by might shall a man prevail. And what Israel needed to learn, and what the kings of Israel needed to learn, and what you and I need to learn is we do not win our battles because we are strong. When the hurricanes hit New Jersey... Remember, and all the devastation, and people were obviously hurt by that in so many ways. And I certainly want to make, not make light of that. But what were the t-shirts that came out and are still worn around today? Jersey strong. Imagine if we would have come out and said, here's the t-shirt we have, Jersey weak. You think we would have sold many? No. But you know what hurricanes are for? Hurricanes, you might think, I'm so strong. 
I'm so powerful. And God says, listen, I can wipe it out in a day. You know why? Because it's not your power. It's not your strength. It's mine. And you need that power just to become a mom. And can I tell you, moms, if you have, and you still need that power to become a good mom and a godly mom. One of my favorite verses in Scripture says, in Isaiah 40, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, no might, no children, no might, he increases strength. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Is that you, Mom? Pastor Walker, I'm tired. I'm tired. Physically, yes. The schedule, the late hours, the lack of sleep. I'm tired. Emotionally, I'm worn out. Have you ever said to yourself, and you're not just joking, I don't know if I can do this again another day. I don't know if I can stay married. I don't know if I can handle another rebellious episode. I don't know if I can, I don't know. Those who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. And by add to it, and they wait on their knees. Because that's where the power is. That's the kind of marvel mom, the super mom that God's looking for. Because you know what? In God's book, you're only super if you're super in private, not in public. And here's what Hannah says. Being God's favored one means this, that everything he puts in my life, he does it so that I will become more dependent on him. And in my weakness, he is strong. Let's pray. You know, that, that principle of weak, weakness and strength out of weakness is not just something that's prevailing in 1 Samuel. No, it's all through the Bible. <clears throat> in fact, can I say it this morning briefly? All the way to Jesus. Jesus did not die in power. He died in weakness. 2 Corinthians 13.4 says, for though he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. Oh, you see, Jesus was the most powerful human being as the Son of God who ever lived. But on Easter, you have never known it because he died in weakness on a Roman cross. Oh, but he chose that weakness. He embraced it. You know why? Because Jesus knew that that's how God wins his battles in this world. And that's why Jesus, can I say, won the battle on the cross way before he ever got there. You know where he won it? On his knees in Gethsemane. Because that's where the power is. See, you may be a mom here, and the first step you should take today is, you know what? In weakness and surrender, say, God, I give you my life. I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior. I've never called on him to forgive my sins. I've been trying to be religious and righteous and all that on my own. But maybe the first step of weakness is you have to say this. I'm too strong, Pastor Walker, too strong. And I need to come to God in my weakness and say, you know what? I can't be right 
with God on my own, I can't. I need Jesus. I need his death and resurrection to pay for my sins. And if you've never trusted him, if you've never come to the place where you are weak, Romans 5, 6 says, and when we were weak, ungodly, we had no power, Jesus came and died. Now, would you accept his weakness so that you could know the strength of his salvation today? But maybe you're a Christian mom here. And you say, Pastor, oh, tired, weary. I need the wings of an eagle. I, I need to, I'm walking, I'm running. I'm, I'm, I think I might faint from this. Oh, wait on him on your knees. He has power, even though you're powerless. He has power for your troubled marriage, for your troubled children, for your troubled health and circumstances. He has power for you on your knees. But you have to be weak enough to want it. Weak enough to get on your knees. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would there be mothers here today, or anyone else for that matter, who would say, Pastor Walker, you know what I need? I need to get weak. I need to get weak. I need to get weaker so God's power and strength can be displayed in me. With no one looking, moms or others, would you raise your hand and I'll close in prayer by praying for you today. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. And I'll pray that God will help you to be weak for his glory. Anyone else? Thank you in the balcony and the main floor. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? God, I, I, thank you. I see, I see your hands. Anyone else? I, I just need to be weak so God can be strong in me. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray. As you're standing, we're going to pray. And then we're going to sing 705. It is well with my soul. Let's pray first. Father, we, have to, we think so often we have to be strong that we can't show people that we're sad or weary or discouraged or anxious. We, we can't have any chinks in the armor. But you're the Lord of hosts. And you do not make your name great and famous and glorious by just giving us a little help while we do the rest on our own. That's not how it works. You want all the glory. You want all the victories to point to you. And I pray for moms who raise their hand Father, help them to be weak, to embrace the weakness, that your grace might be sufficient for them in all of the battles they face, whether it's the battle of barrenness or any other battle. Father, may they fight it on their knees in the power and the strength that you alone can give. And if there's even one mom or one person who's here today and has never come to the ultimate place of weakness, they realize they can't save themselves. Father, I pray that they would surrender to you and that you might show them the power of your forgiveness today. Be glorified in these things. We ask for Christ's sake. Amen.